Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Crucial Talks podcast. I'm Mike Shadam, and today we're going to interview Nate Regeer. But before we get into that interview, I'd love to ask a favor of you. If you could, can you please subscribe to the podcast and rate it so that we can continue to grow a community of people that want to understand what drives them and others? Also, I'd be so thankful if you could please visit my website at www.crucialtalks.com and connect with me via email, LinkedIn, Twitter, or Facebook. Now, you all know that this podcast is focused on positive, strength-based human performance. It's a place where we believe if we want to understand behavior, we need to understand what drives people. And today's guest is Nate Regeer. And let me tell you what I love about what Nate is doing. So Nate has a doctorate in clinical psychology, has experience as a practicing psychologist, and has written a couple of books. The first one he co-authored was called Beyond Drama, Transcending Energy Vampires. And the other was recently released, and it's called Conflict Without Casualties. Now, although Nate has this great resume, what I really love about Nate is where he is coming from, what drives him to do what he does, because he comes from a place of wanting to help others. He comes from a place of understanding people and the importance of communication. He also comes from a place of reality. He knows that change can be difficult, that some of these communications we have in dealing with conflict can be difficult, but can also lead to great things. From this drive to help others, he's become an expert in social emotional intelligence, positive conflict, communication, team building, and change management. All of these things that take time but are worth it in the end. Welcome to the Cruise Talks podcast, Nate. Thank you so much, Mike. It's great to be here and be with your listeners. Yeah, it's really going to be a good conversation. So to start, can you tell us a little bit about you and why you're so passionate about what you do? Absolutely. Well, I did not. Uh, it was not part of my original plan to run a company, a leadership training and consulting company. I actually grew up the son of missionary parents in Africa and spent about the first 11, well, first 18 years of my life in and out of Africa, experiencing a lot of interesting things, a lot of violence and a lot of amazing uh, learning opportunities. And so, uh, you know, I originally was going to be a business person and then switch to psychology. And I'm so grateful that I did. But life is amazing the way it comes with twists and turns. Well, yeah. So what actually drove you to switch from this focus on business to psychology? Well, it's, it's kind, of, kind of embarrassed to tell the story because it's because I was scared. I was, a, I was a business major and I was signing up for Economics 3 in my sophomore year of college. I went to buy the book and the textbook was about three inches thick and it had a floppy disk attached. And this was back in the 80s when big floppy disks, you know, we knew how much they could hold. And I looked at all that and I was so intimidated. I thought I could never learn this. So I switched my major to psychology and, and realized, you know, maybe I could use my people skills to help, uh, help positively influence people instead of, um, you know, pursue the business route. And I'm really glad I did. Well, and I think a lot of people are probably glad you did too, because it seems like what you have done in psychology has transitioned into how you can help businesses and the people in those businesses succeed. 
Thank you. Yeah. And, and now that I look back, it does, it does make a lot of sense. I do really think that my psychology background and being steeped in the social sciences has, is really a unique contribution that I can make in the corporate world because um, I, I think understanding why people do what they do, the psychology of behavior and behavior change, and just the dynamics of interpersonal communication are so critical for us to be have healthy relationships and healthy communities at work. Well, and that's what I love about what you do because this idea of having healthy communication, healthy relationships is really the driving force, I think, in a lot of excellent organizations. Because I've told people before that the policies and the procedures and the regulations and all that, if you follow all that stuff, yeah, you could probably get about the middle of the road. You can get to average. But if you understand people, and what people can do within an organization together when they're focused on the same things, when they have the same vision, it could really get us to excellence. And I think that's one of the reasons why I love what your company and what you stand for. Because Nate, one of the things we talk about here on the Crucial Talks podcast is trust and how trust within an organization or team lets people use their energy to work on the goals and vision of that team or that organization. And I know that one of the things you talk about is that the biggest energy crisis facing our world is the misuse of conflict. So I was wondering if you could talk to us a little bit about conflict and how we can better deal with conflict. Thank you. Absolutely. And you're so right. Wherever you look, when you look at the literature, look at personal experience, the game changer, the difference maker, the difference between good and great is all about relationships. It's not about this quality of the strategy or, you know, how efficient you are or how lean you are. It finally comes down to, are we communicating with each other? Do we trust each other? Are we working together? And are we leveraging the diversity in the room? And that's what brings me to conflict because it, if we just keep narrowing this down closer and closer and closer down to that second by second interpersonal communication between people, it comes down to conflict because people are different and diversity is a natural part of the universe, not just the kind of typical diversity we think of with gender and ethnicity and race and sexual orientation and all of that that's popular, but I'm talking about diversity in terms of personality and how we see the world and where we come from. And so that diversity necessarily is going to lead to conflict because we're going to have differences in terms of how we see things and what we want. And so I, right there is a ton of energy. If we, if we define conflict simply as the gap between what we want and what we're experiencing at any point in time, just that, it could be as simple as I want to be at work at eight o'clock and I'm experiencing six people in front of me in Starbucks and one barista calls in sick and the other machine is broken. So it's not good or bad, but we got a gap and that gap generates energy. There's a ton of energy in the gap. And so we are really interested and fascinated and passionate about how do people spend that energy in the gap in a way that creates something amazing instead of degenerating into drama. And I, I love what you kind of led into that it comes down to conflict and people are different and diversity you're talking about isn't based on what we just see when we look at somebody, you know, the color of their skin, the color of their hair, where, how they're dressed, where they might come from. But what I loved about what you said is there's this 
this gap. And this gap sounds like, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but it sounds like the, the gap you're talking about that leads to this conflict and the gap that's between what we want and what we are experiencing is kind of socially constructed because I could be right behind you in line at Starbucks looking at the same thing, but constructing a reality on how I'm dealing with that situation based on my own belief system. It's you're completely right. hundred percent. Because if we, if we take apart this, these two poles of conflict, one is what I'm experiencing. The other is what I want. Well, both of those are highly dependent on our personality, our belief systems, how we've been raised, the kind of environments that we're in. So the social construction, we do a lot of work with people getting behind that and saying, okay, let's break it down and really understand unique about you in this world that leads to you experiencing this situation in a particular way. Um, why does the person right behind me is completely fine with waiting 10 minutes and I'm freaking out? You know. Because we're both experiencing the exact same thing um, in the external world. So I'm with you. And I think we need really good tools to figure that out and, and negotiate that. Okay, so I want to dive a little bit deeper into this because that social, social construction piece and the piece you're talking about, diversity and personalities and how we see oh. the world, where we come from, all of that. Because another thing we talk about here on the Crucial Talks podcast is that human behavior can be driven by how we categorize ourselves because we, we all adopt different identities, multiple identities. We play different roles depending upon the situation. And those roles, the ones that are important to us in that situation kind of drives our behavior. And in other words, we, we treat each other based on in-groups and out-groups and how those groups interact. And I know you deal with kind of a similar train of thought when you discuss how people misuse conflict energy because right. it becomes this drama and right. they end up either struggling against themselves or struggling with each other. And they try to kind of trying to justify. And I think, I think the way you put it is they, they try to feel justified about their negative behavior. Now your answer to this is something called compassionate accountability. And I just want us to, to dive a little bit into that so we can know what it is and how it actually is applied to us as people, us as social animals that, that crave belonging, but also want to protect our own identities and, and how that, that can impact how we deal with conflict and how your, your thought of compassionate accountability with empathy and that sort of thing might help us deal with that conflict in a positive way. Great question. And let, let's, let's dive right into this idea of socially constructed identity and roles we play. When, when there's conflict and there's that energy, we can spend it in one of two ways. We can spend it in drama or we can spend it in compassion. Drama moves us down the path of taking on roles and identities that position ourselves in adversarial ways to other people. So the drama triangle that we teach a lot has to do with three roles people play. And these are socially constructed roles that are also heavily influenced by our personality and upbringing. So do I take on the role in drama that, hey, everyone else is the problem, therefore I'm fine and you're not? Or do I take on the position that I'm the problem, everyone else is okay except for me and I'm probably causing everything? Or do I take on what we call a rescuer role and say, hey, everybody, there might be problems all over, but I'm the solution. 
everybody look at me to solve the problem. And those are really pervasive roles that we play that are not real, they're not accurate, but they drive behavior. All of those roles are all about being justified, all about trying to say, hey, I know who's okay and who's not and under what conditions. But compassionate accountability says, what if the purpose of conflict is to create? And what if we really look at the deeper meaning of the word compassion, which means to suffer with or to struggle with compassion? So drama is to struggle against, to feel justified. Compassion means to struggle with, to create something amazing. And what's similar in both is their struggle. This is hard work. But what's different is the way we choose to see ourselves and position ourselves relative to other people. So in compassion, we adopt three core beliefs about ourselves and other people, which is we're worthwhile, we are capable, and we are accountable. And those three core beliefs fundamentally change how we talk to people, how we think about people, and how we communicate with people when there's conflict. Well, and what I what I really love about this is when you talk about compassion accountability and the role of compassion, that it's not changing the struggle you're in. It's not changing really the situation you're in. You've got the same people dealing with struggle in both cases. Drama is struggling against. Compassion is struggling with. And really, oh. again, it, it brings me back to this role of social belonging, social esteem in people-based systems. Because I've, I've said it before that I've seen people, uh, Navy SEALs, other military units, uh, football teams, soccer teams, strong, tight groups at work, that when they're placed in a conflict situation, when they're placed in a difficult situation, and they share it together and struggle with, using your words, they do some pretty great things. And it also kind of lends us to this this belief of appreciative inquiry where we're actually communicating and conversing in a way that we're looking for creativity and innovation. And yes, we know there's problems. Yes, we know that we're dealing with issues, but we're dealing with them together. And that no matter your role, your belief system, how you were brought up, that everybody in that situation gets to look forward toward a solution because they're there together. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I'm wondering if there is anything you can give us how you actually help people through this process. Because I, I know you guys at your at um I'm sorry, what's the name of your company? It's uh Next, Next Element, Element, correct? Next Element, yeah. So all of you at Next Element, you help organizations, you help people deal with this. And I mentioned this to you in the past. I love this terminology you guys use, which is you're acting as Sherpas of conflict because you know it's difficult. What are some of the things you do when you go into an organization that's having some of these struggles to help them help them get through it in a positive way? Yeah, thank you. There's two really important things Hassan, that are that we think are fundamental. One of them is knowing myself and how I relate to, and so we work on we use a model of individual differences called the. Communication model, and we really like it because 
it's really, again, really powerful to help people understand how they're uniquely structured and how that impacts specifically the way they communicate with each other, the way they take care of themselves, and the way they see the world. So it's a really powerful tool that goes way beyond just a personality typology model. It's really a dynamic active skill set for negotiating the world and taking care of myself. So we help people learn about themselves in that way. Um, then we, we say, okay, so let's assume that we recognize that we're different, we're, we're structured different, we need different things. That's great. We still have work to get done and we still have to come together around some difficult stuff. So then we talk to them, so how do we communicate during conflict in a way that honors individual differences and respects who we are? Um, that's where we bring in what we call the compassion cycle, which is a constellation of three we train people to use that um, I think will resonate really well with appreciative inquiry. I'm familiar with it, love it. The compassion cycle uh, starts with openness, moves to resourcefulness, then to persistence, and back to openness. And this is a cadence, it's a pattern, it's a habit of being with each other during conflict, where first we start with openness, which is about safety and transparency, and a spirit of, I'm okay, you're okay, we can be vulnerable together, the goal is to hurt each other. The goal is to value each other. Then we go to resourcefulness, which is probably the most consistent with you know typical appreciative inquiry practices about just being curious and being forward thinking and being so open to what could happen if we just ask curious questions and actually care about what people have to say. Because this is where we bring forth resources that exist already and look at how we can creatively put them together to solve problems. Persistence is the next step, and that's about um, what's also critical in conflict, which is getting clear about boundaries and non-negotiables and and promises and what and the big why about why are we here? Why do we care about doing this? What is this really about at the end of the day? And 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 why separating the wheat from the chaff and not getting so interested in so many things and just getting really clear about what this is about. And then it always circles back to open because we're always rechecking in with our humanity to say, how are we doing? Are we, are we, are we protecting safety as a key component here? So ORP is what we call it. It's about safety, curiosity, and consistency. And it's about living that out in dialogue with each other every day. I love that compassion cycle. So it's really just a, it's a circular movement of openness, safety, transparency, transparency, kind of going back to our thought on trust, that trust within a group allows us to focus our energy outside of what we're trying to accomplish. Then resourcefulness, I love it, being curious and forward thinking, caring about what other people have to say, not just automatically think you have all the answers totally. uh, that nobody else does, that you're, you're engaged with other people. Mm -hmm. And then that role of persistence, you know, we talk about openness, we talk about resourcefulness, people get that. They, they understand that. Then this idea of persistence, boundaries and non-negotiables, why are we here, being clear about what our purpose is. Mm. And what I like about this, why I, I want to focus on it, because I think it's an area where a lot of people listening may not hear very often, because we always hear about trust. We always hear about being uh, forward thinking, curious, and and listening to what other people have to say, and and how listening is so important to leadership. But this idea of persistence of of the why really brings me back to this notion of of social in groups and in out groups, and even 
uh, Musharraf Sharif's Robert's Cove experiments and things like that, where this notion of having this superordinate goal, this bigger vision, this idea, and uh, and in your words, clarity about what this is about, is uh-huh. important for leaders and team members to understand because it allows us to transcend any of those silos that have built up between these different groups we belong to and let's just get beyond what we see as our differences. So when you guys go into an organization or when you try to help somebody with this idea of persistence, how do you get people to communicate this level of clarity you need so that they can, they can kind of move down the road, right? Everybody's going to take a different path up the mountain with you guys as Sherpas, right? They're going to step on different areas. They're going to use uh-huh. maybe different foods to climb up the mountain, that sort of thing. So how do you give them clarity on how they're going to reach that, that summit, that peak of that mountain? Yeah. Well, we do. It, there's a lot of dialogue and a lot of, a lot of going around and around the cycle because what people are used to at Persistence is what we call accountability without compassion in the hammer down, reminding people about the rules, you know, making threats, um, throwing the numbers again in your face about performance targets and all of this kind of heavy handed focus on the task, focus on the goal. Um, But there's a lot of different kinds of persistence. You know, intrapersonal is about taking stock of what is important to me. Once I know how I'm built and what I need, then I also know oh, I need to take care of myself every day to be healthy. And that's on me. And that may be different from what other people need. So that's goal. I have to honor that and take care of it. Then there's interpersonal distance, which is what are the norms and rules of engagement between us that preserve dignity, that keep the lines of communication open, that keep us knowing that we're working on the right stuff. And then there's, you know, the bigger stuff, the superordinate goals you're talking about, like, you know, what is our real prime directive here? And at the end of the day, why are we here so we don't lose sight it down into the stuff? And so we help people talk about each of those. And we have different exercises and ways of asking people about this where they can, we're in a safe place, really start establishing and clarifying within a community. What is this about and what really matters? And how are we going to hold each other to that? Well, that's a, I love what you said there because this idea of people being used to accountability without compassion, I think is a way a lot of organizations work just because it's, it's one of those things that kind of came out of the Industrial Revolution, all this stuff yep. about thinking about people as just a, yep. you know, a, a piece of equipment they can change out if it's not working right. I call it the, the name, blame, and shame game where yep. you find a problem, you, you name it, you blame it, you shame it, whether it's a person or whether it's a policy, whatever it happens to be. And I, this notion of preserving dignity is huge to us as people because we are social animals. and the ideas that we get from belonging with others are so connected to the need we have for social esteem and social belonging and preserving that esteem. I mean, people will go and do things that are not understandable from a rational, logical level, but they're doing it just to preserve that level of dignity you're talking about for themselves and for the groups they identify with. So I love that what you talked about, about the role of dignity in this whole thing. And it goes back to trust. It goes back to openness. It goes back to the level of communication. Now, I know we've opened up a whole lot of stuff in this episode. I know we've been talking a lot about it. So I do want to cover a couple of things really quick because I think there's going to be a lot of people with with questions. 
And I know that you've written two books. I was hoping we can cover just really quickly what those books are about because I have a feeling they can go there to get a lot of information that we can't cover in a, in a 30 or 40 minute episode. Can you tell us a little yeah. bit about those books real quick? Sure. Sure. My first book, Beyond Drama, Transcending Energy Vampires, was um, it was my first book. And I co-wrote it with a colleague of mine. I'm really proud of it. And it's it's raw. It's rough. It's kind of our, our, our thinking and theory about this idea of drama at the time. Uh, my most recent book is a lot more polished, a lot more actionable, and, a, and it really is a complete field guide for practicing and living and and living out the principles of compassionate accountability. So um, with the second book, you get a free assessment you can take online called the Drama Resilience Assessment, and it gives you some really interesting information about how you deal with conflict in positive and negative ways and where some of your strength zones strengths are and where some learning opportunities are. Um, also, one of the things I'm, one of the little treasures in the book is what we call emotional motives for authenticity. It's a whole section on speaking to what you mentioned, Mike, about why are we really doing what we're doing and what are we trying to accomplish where on the surface to other people, it look, might look like we're acting irrational or, or people don't get what we're thinking, but it makes perfect sense when you understand what's going on inside. And it helps people identify that, start to talk about it, and start to advocate for some healthy ways that builds community. So I'm really excited about the book. And then also our website, next-element.com, is a great place to learn more about the tools that we use and how we, how we work with companies. And to remind everybody, the name of that second book is Conflict Without Casualties. Is that correct? That's correct. The subtitle is A Field Guide for Leading with Compassionate Accountability. Sorry, I might say real quick, it's, it is the field guide, and it really is the Bible for all of our training, coaching, and certification programs that we do. So it's a great way for people to learn about what we're about and how we work. So for more information about that, I, I really love the idea of books just because people can look at it at their own time. If they're unsure of where they're at or if it can help, they can go there. So again, it's Beyond Drama and Conflict Without Casualties, those two books. Again, it's, they're either co-authored or authored completely by Nate Regeer. That's R-E-G-I-E-R. I'm sure what they're available on Amazon. They're available on your website, all yep. of that good stuff. Mm-hmm. Great. And that website is www.nextelement.com with a hyphen between the two words. Is that right? Yes. Great. And I'll put a link to that in the show notes. And Nate, I really want to thank you. I know we didn't have as much time as we probably wanted to go into all this. All of this stuff can really be talked about in multiple episodes. So hopefully we'll have you back to even dive deeper into to some of these things you talked about, about being open, about dealing with dealing with conflict in a positive way, not to create drama, but to to really get people to be resourceful and to be persistent and to continually to work toward this notion of compassionate accountability where we value everybody's opinions, people aren't under threat. And at the end of the day, by doing that, we kind of come out of the end with a, a really solid solution for problems we might have, or even just to make our organizations healthier, recognizing all of the people in it. So, Nate, is there anything uh, you would like to add about – we know we talked about the book, and we mentioned your your website, Next Element, but is there anything you could tell us about what that 
what that website and what the people that work with you in your organization offer to others, just so we have an idea of the value people can get from what you do every day. Yes, absolutely. You know, we started as a training company and we still do quite a lot of training and coaching and consulting, but we really wanted to make a bigger difference in the world. And so we've worked on turning our, our, our discoveries and our curriculum into something that other people can use. So we're really, really passionate about training and certifying and then supporting other people out there, coaches, training companies, consultants, to go share these assessments and share this curriculum with more people in the world. Because if, if the misuse of conflict energy is the biggest crisis facing our world, then our mission is to transform the energy balance in the world by changing every interaction, every relationship in the world through our network of trainers, coaches, and consultants that we're supporting globally. Well, that is a great place to end off because the way I look at it, it kind of goes back to how we can deal with, with influence in the world with people. I mean, I, I told you before we started this episode that, you know, last week's podcast was, was on three degrees of influence. And I love what you just said because your company isn't like, hey, hire us. We will get you on the right track. You, you actually have this idea that there's negative energy in the world. We can transform that energy into a positive way to help people deal with conflict in, in health, helpful, healthy ways. And I love it because you're, you're able to provide tools to people. And the way I talked about it last week and the way I'm kind of looking at it now is instead of just throwing one rock into a pond, you have a single set of ripples. You guys are throwing a handful out there. And if all these ripples kind of interconnect, you're dealing with this issue in a way that's network-based that you can actually have a positive influence on other people. So I think it's great. Again, the website is www.nextelement.com. There's a little hyphen between next and element. They do training, coaching, consulting. The biggest thing is they're getting a message out there, trying to have a positive impact on everything. So thanks again, Nate. Really appreciate you being on. And I hope we get to talk to you again soon. Mike, it's been a pleasure. And I will put a bug in your ear. If we talk again, let's talk about trust. That sounds awesome because I awesome. think that's, a, that's key to what all these human-based systems need. And again, thanks for listening to the Crucial Talks podcast, everyone. If you want a little more on human-based systems and communication, there's a couple of episodes you can go to. Maybe episode 28 would be great. That's on reducing trauma through communication. And the other one might be episode 33 on empathy and cooperation. It goes back to this, this notion of of really compassion, accountability, like we're talking about, how empathy really plays a role in cooperation and communication. If you have a chance, I'd love for anyone listening to visit the Crucial Talks website at www.crucialtalks.com and connect with me via email or on LinkedIn, Facebook, or Twitter, because I really believe that the more we connect, the more we can have a positive change on the world around us. If you need anything from me or like me to speak at your organization, please feel free to reach out. I'm always here to talk to you. Also, if you could do me a quick favor, share the podcast, leave a review uh, for it, and rate it. I would greatly appreciate it. This will help other people find great interviews like this one that we had with Nate. Have a great week, and remember, if we want to understand behavior, we need to understand what drives people.